going to get right to it. So um, I just want to say, though, how amazing this church is. And we actually sent about 20 people this morning to Queens. And we are launching our first Queens service. It's actually happening right now. They're probably knee deep in worship. And uh, yeah, they're just doing awesome things. And we had, we actually activated, that's kind of a churchy word for those of you who might be new. I I don't really know what other word to use, so I'm just going to use it. But um, we had to activate and release leaders to make this possible. And so there were about 30 people that were pushed out of their comfort zone today. (laughs) So we want to thank you. Um, If you're one of those people and you're sneaking in the bathroom watching online at Queens, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so thank you guys so much for helping to make that possible. And I, Mike texted me and he said, new faces receiving the word this morning. So that's, that's, all, that's what it's all about, right? Uh, so my title of my message this morning, for those of you who are taking notes, is Breakthrough with Faith. So this is week five, right? This was a five-week month of the series Winning. Hashtag winning. Who is winning in here today? I'm winning. It's summer, although I'm in a wool blazer, so I'm kind of losing, but whatever. But Breakthrough with Faith is the title of my message, and um, I'm thankful for a church that raises up and believe that women can be pastors and communicators and preachers and leaders, and uh, this weekend we launched our Vital Women's Ministry, which is just a women's ministry of V1 Church. And I was joking in the first service. I said, Bishop Kiel, um, she is single, by the way, men. (laughs) Got a cheerleader. Yeah, I put it on blast. I'm not ashamed. Um, She's a powerful woman of God. She released a powerful word at Vital Women. It is going to be, yeah, you could clap for her. You could clap. She killed it, man. She went through the fire to preach that word. Man. So anyways, that's going to be on the podcast later this week. So definitely watch for that. Um, And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, that would be a good time because you are going to want to hear that message. And uh, it's going to be powerful. And uh, we just want to thank you for for being here today. So breakthrough with faith. So I'm jumping right in. Hebrews 11. Who grew up in church? Who grew up in church? Okay, so you might know this. Hebrews 11 is the what chapter? The faith chapter, right? There's the love chapter and the faith chapter. I don't really know what else, but um, those two I know for sure. So Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. Now, I'm only going to read a handful of scriptures from this chapter, but if you are new to the Christian faith or maybe you just haven't uh, went on a journey of like reading the Bible and if you're asking me which version should you read, I'm going to tell you whatever version you'll read, so any, anyone's good. Um, you can actually listen to it even um, on, your, on, the, on the app. It's free. But if you're on a new journey, I'm only going to read a handful of scriptures from this chapter, but I want to encourage you this week, please make a Siri reminder. Don't do it now because they'll all go off at the same time, um, but make a reminder in your phone to read this this week because it is a very powerful chapter and if you are struggling in any area of your life I'm telling you this is the go-to chapter it's a good swift kick in the butt and like a coach huddle 
you know? Who was in sports? Anybody in sports? Yeah. So you like get the you get coached up, right? This is a coach up chapter. So I'm only going to read a handful of scriptures, but the first scripture we're going to read is Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2, and it says the fundamental act, this is the message version. So it's a little more modern day, my personal fave. Um The fundamental act of existence is that this is trust in God, this faith, this firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. I'm going to repeat that. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, and they're talking about the ancestors of faith, that set them above the crowd. So, A lot of people believe that faith is a result of breakthrough. And so breakthrough is kind of a Christianese word that we use to describe coming to the next level, okay? And so breakthrough, sometimes they'll say, well, you just got to break through to get more faith. But I'm going to tell you that breakthrough is actually a result of faith. And so sometimes it's just the decision to say, you know what, I don't feel like it, but I'm just going to believe this. And so I'll tell you, there are so many people in life that say, I'll have faith when, right? Or I'll have faith if. Am I the only person that's done that? Okay. (laughs) You guys are heathens too with me. Um, But over and over in the Old Testament, you see God appearing to all these uh, great heroes of faith over and over and over. And then in the New Testament, you see Jesus, even after his death, it said that he appeared um, to people. And sometimes people were ready to go. But most of the time, there was this element of doubt after they had a physical encounter with the Lord. And so some of you have been saying, well, Lord, I would believe you if I just had a sign. But actually, if he showed up, you'd be like, well, I don't know. It was a little hot. That fire was a little warmer. That angel, I thought, would be more attractive or, you know, a little more shiny, right? And some of you guys are on this quest to find something shiny, and God has put all these people around you who, to, who are going to tell you, hey, have you heard about V1 Church? Like, you should come. There's a sign. Or you've been praying, God, I need, I need breakthrough in the area of discipline. But every morning your alarm goes off at 5 a.m. and you hit snooze. There's your sign, right? Or you're trying to grow in an area and people keep giving you all these free books, right? And you're like, I don't know, Lord, is this you? It's him. He's trying to grow you. Here is your sign. So somebody turn to who you're sitting next to and say, here's your sign. Here's your sign. Some of you have been crying in your car asking for more faith. Here is your sign. So we're going to be talking about faith this morning. And so I just want to tell you that if you're taking notes, point number one is faith is not a feeling. It is a posture of the heart. Faith is a lifestyle. Let me tell you, do I have any... And don't feel any shame. Okay, everybody close your eyes so there's privacy. Who here has a more negative bent? I'm not saying you're, you don't have faith. I'm not saying that. But how many of like, are you just like a go-to negative person? Like it just, whatever. Okay, there's a lot of you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Y'all got your eyes shut. There's a lot of you. Just because you might have a negative bend doesn't mean that you can't have faith. It is a posture. It is a decision that you make every day. I'm going to read to you a scripture. Hebrews 11, 
13 through 16. It says, each one of these people of faith. Now, they're referencing, because I skipped some scriptures. In the scriptures in between, it talks about every major, well, not every, but most of the major um, heroes of faith and kind of what they did and how they got there. So this scripture is referencing back. And it says, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. And if they were homesick for their old country, at any time they could have went back. But they were after a far better country than that heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. God has a destination for you on the other side of your decision to have faith. Sometimes it's faith first. Sometimes it's, I don't see it in the natural, but I'm going to choose to believe it. Sometimes it's, I haven't been on a date in 10 years, but I'm believing that God is going to send me someone godly, someone pure, someone awesome, somebody who's going to help me um, and partner with me in getting to my destiny. Sometimes it's doing in vitro fertilization for a billion years and still holding on to the promise that God said you were going to be a mother and it is going to happen. That's a decision. That is not a feeling. Point number two if you're taking notes, is faith doesn't have to be a last resort. Faith can be your first response. Faith doesn't have to be a last resort. Faith can be your first response. And I was thinking about the Bible, and there's so many awesome characters of faith, and I want to encourage you this week to read it, watch a YouTube video on it, whatever whatever will feed your soul, like take it, but for sure read the word. Okay, there's my disclaimer. She'd be like, we just got to watch YouTube. Um, But I was thinking about all the heroes of faith. And I was thinking about Jesus. And I know this is a scripture that we, most of us, well, for those of us who maybe have been in church a while, could probably quote in their sleep. And it's John 3, 16. We're just going to read this. You can read it. Read it with me if they want to stick it up there. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus' first response was faith because he believed without any evidence, without any action, without you even being born, that you were worth dying for. That at one point you were going to make the decision to choose him. Jesus had no guarantees that you were going to say yes and be in this nice, cushy leather recliner. That really does recline, by the way. We're about to hear them all go. Jesus had no guarantees that you'd say yes, that you'd show up. He has no guarantees that we would stay faithful to this thing called Christianity. He has no guarantees that you would take the job that God divinely put in your path or marry the person that God sent to you or 
We have no guarantees that you are going to fulfill the purpose and destiny that God so graciously has put on your life. And I want to encourage you that Jesus went all the way to the cross in full faith that you would accept him. And he believes the best in you even when he sees you at your absolute worst. Someone in your life is waiting for you to have redeeming faith. Because not only do we have faith in God, right? But sometimes we have to have faith in God for others. When we started this church, we started with about 18 people. And we started in a theater like this or one similar. And we would put um, one of these cards, these connect cards, on every single chair. Now... We knew in the natural that only 18 people were going to show up. But by faith, we made a decision that even though it looked a little crazy, that one day you all were going to be here and we were going to be able to minister and, and, and deliver worship and just obey God and what he's saying to speak to you and that you were going to show up one day. That was called redeeming. That's faith first, right? And so in your life, there's someone in your life that's waiting for you to have a redeeming faith in them. So for some of you, it's your marriage. Maybe God is waiting for you to say, I believe it. I don't see it. I don't know how it's possible, but I'm just going to believe God that this dead marriage that I've been living in, that the Lord is going to make a way and that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm going to believe to put God first, or maybe it's a job. Maybe you feel like you're at a dead end. Maybe you feel like there's no opportunity, but you're just going to choose to have faith first and believe that God is going to open up the door of promotion as you continue to be faithful. Amen. And that you have to believe that if Jesus had that kind of faith in you, then you can have that kind of faith in him. It's time for us to raise up and say yes completely before the crisis. I do this thing that I like to call airplane repentance. Yeah, it's real. It's okay to laugh. It's a joke. (laughs) There's like one chuckle in the front. I'm like, it's fine. So basically, um, I, when I was younger, we would go on the occasional family vacation, and I no problems. I would get on airplanes, no big deal. And uh, I would, as I got older and my flying became more frequent, frequent for work and for different things, um, and my family now lives like halfway across country, so visiting them and all this stuff. And as my responsibilities began to increase and required me to travel more, I began to fly more. Well, what I found out was that I'm afraid to fly, which is convenient because if you don't know, our entire church is themed around air flight. Yeah. So I have this funny joke with the Lord that like, God, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, and this isn't something like I've overcame. Like, this is something like that I struggled with like three days ago when I was on an airplane and I was squeezing Mike's leg and he yelled, stop it. You're making me nervous. Like the plane was fine. I was wrecking, okay? So I do this thing called airplane repentance. And when I'm on an airplane, it is my most vulnerable state. Evan, is this true? It's true. He's flown with us. And it's embarrassing. And I I believe there was a point in the flight we were on that I was clutching the bottom of the, yeah, yeah, I was clutching the bottom of the chair. Guys, if something happens, that's not going to save you. So just so, (laughs) the stewardess was like, 
yeah, this isn't, you're not helping yourself. Okay, so, and I actually took this flight many years ago, and I was like, man, this girl had, I was, this is before we launched the church, and I came out here to preach, and I was typing a sermon, another sermon that I was writing on the flight, and I was just a nervous wreck, and I'm like, here I am preparing the word to preach, and I am like, freaking out, heart beating, armpit sweating, like need Doritos, like it was just a hot mess. And I was just like, Lord, I was just repenting of every, so airplane repentance is when you just start repenting of everything that you have ever thought that you're going to think, like any sin I'm going to do, any sin my kids are going to do. I'm repenting for my toddler's behavior anytime I didn't tithe. I mean, I'm like going rapid fire down the list and it's like a panic and I remember looking at this girl sitting next to me and she had such a peace on her and I was just like Lord I am a pastor and I'm freaking out and she's fine and when we landed I said oh hey sorry I'm just a nervous flyer and she said that's okay I took medication (laughs) and I thought okay I feel a little less bad (laughs) But in an airplane is my most vulnerable, my most vulnerable state. There is no state more, not even childbirth, and I gave birth without drugs. Like, flying on an airplane is worse, I promise you. So I'm going through this uh, situation, and and we, we were just in a pastor's conference, guys. This is recent, okay? This isn't long ago. And I was sitting on the plane, and I'm literally sweating, and I sometimes I'll cry. And it's not, like, overwhelming. Now, I face my fear. Let me just give you the thing. Like, I do it anyways, okay? I have several things that I have to do for the rest of the year, and even though I look at it and sweat, I'm I'm going. So I'm going, guys. Indiana, I'll be there. So um, freaking out, and the Lord spoke to me because I was just like, God, I'm like praying. Have you ever done one of those angry, angry prayers? Why am I such a wreck? Has anybody prayed that? Why am I so crazy, right? Okay, I'm getting real with you. Church of the Real today. And I prayed and I said, God, like in my heart, I was just like, why am I such a train wreck? Because I'm supposed to fly with the whole team back to Indiana and I'm going to look like a big old idiot, right? No one's going to want to listen to me anymore, submit to me anymore. Like it's, I got to get this crap together. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Julie, the reason why you're fearful is because you believe your destiny is fragile and insignificant. You know, I wasn't looking at it as this big spiritual issue, but here I was in an area of my life that lacked faith, which I just equated it to like, well, I'm just afraid of the dentist. I'm just afraid of the airplane, whatever. And I was at peace with that. And God's knocking at the door of my destiny and saying, get over it. I got you. Your destiny is not fragile. It is not insignificant. And even in your death, you still accomplish the purposes and plans and the destiny that I have laid out for you. Guys, your destiny is not fragile. It isn't weak. God destined it. He got you. You know how many times you could have died as a two-year-old running around with sharp corners everywhere? You made it. So I want to tell you that, like, it is okay to tell the Lord in those vulnerable areas, the areas that you have airplane repentance. For some of you, it's your singleness. For some of you, it's your marriage. For some of you, it's your job. For some of you, it's your children. Maybe you, have, uh, maybe you have some prodigal sons that are 
creating their testimony or prodigal daughters that are writing their testimony. And, and that will bring out the vulnerability or the doubt in you. And I want to say where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And where there's lack of faith, I'm believing that God is going to raise up even a greater measure of faith this morning. So point number three is that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So I don't care how much faith I have that I'm going to live through a flight, which every flight I think I'm dying, so, you know, whatever. But I don't care how much faith I have. If I never get on an airplane, useless. I don't care how much faith I have that I believe that the sick can be healed. If I never pray for anyone, useless. I don't care how much compassion and faith I have for somebody to come out of a dire circumstance, but if I don't give them my coat when they're cold, useless. James 2, verses 14 through 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If no one, if, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I want you to repeat after me. Faith activates. Faith activates. We have got to stop talking about faith and start living it. If somebody has faith for huge finances but doesn't work hard, God can't bless that. If someone has huge vision for, uh, you know, opening centers and giving and all that but isn't generous in the little things, God can't use that. And it's not that he doesn't want to, it's that he can't, right? He needs you to, to partner with his word. If someone talks about the grind but sleeps in all day, right? I'm grinding, but you're hitting that snooze till noon, bro. You got to work with God. Someone who prays for godly children but doesn't bring them to church and doesn't read the word over them and doesn't raise them up in godly principles and doesn't live it out by example, Someone who prays for God to send them the perfect mate, and you get all the characteristics, right, girls, in our journals? Loves music, loves God, goes to church, makes a lot of money, has muscles, right? But we're not willing to live out those characteristics and disciplines that we're asking God to send us in our own life. Faith activates. Faith without works doesn't work. And so we got to do more than just talk the talk, right? We got to be about it. Yeah, you heard me. White girl from Indiana. About it. I'm about it. Something happens when you start singing about the reckless love of God and you start going after people who are disadvantaged and recklessly loving people who can't give you anything in return. I don't care how much you love worship. If you're not walking it out in your personal discipline, faith without works is dead. Faith works when you work, and so you got to do something about it. 
I had to do something about my airplane repentance, people. And it was more than just wear a tank top because I was sweating so bad. I had to get in and do the soul work, right? We all have areas where we're vulnerable and weak, and God is calling you to a higher level of responsibility and saying, listen, girl, listen, bro, I want you to have breakthrough, but you got to do some soul work. you got to partner with my word and activate it in your life. I read this article that, now I'm a millennial, so when I say this, don't throw tomatoes at me, okay? I made it by the skin of my teeth, by like a year or two, whatever. But um, they call this millennial generation and the generation, like the most aware generation, and maybe some of you have read this research, but this particular study was talking about how this group of millennials had uh, this passion for environmental protection. They had this, the go green movement, right? I'm still living it. We're trying. We're working on it. Just close your eyes when you see the water bottles. We're, we're trying to figure out a solution. Um, the Go Green movement. And so this group of millennials, were, they were talking about um, how that, that was a passion of theirs and that they advocated for it on social media and that they wanted to walk it out in a discipline of their life. And so they would buy products that would donate, uh, that were environmentally safe and that would um, give to environmental different protection, uh, you know, associations and things like that. And so what happened was is that they found that they were super aware, super educated, and passionate, but when they surveyed, do they walk out these disciplines in their personal life, 31%, only 31% actually was about it. It's kind of like drinking a Mountain Dew on the treadmill, right? Like, the heart's there. You're like, man, I don't know why I'm not seeing any results, but you're going to McDonald's like eight times a week. Listen, I love McDonald's, so I ain't even hating. But faith without works is dead. You have to partner with God, right? It takes our faith and it takes our, his faith and our discipline to work together. So I, I love what's going on in the kingdom right now. There's this awesome shift of responsibility. And I know some of you have seen this themes, even if you watch our church or if you watch other churches in the country or pastors or whatever. There's this awesome uh, wave uh, talking about like uh, leadership and leadership uh, principles and growing in your capacity. And I love that because I need that. I need that in my own life. So I love, I love that, uh, that, that movement going on in the church, and I believe there's a divine um, season for that. And so I, I, have you guys noticed this trend going on? And, and I believe it's a kingdom thing, and I'm seeing it all across the country, all across the world, growing in our leadership capabilities. And how many have ever heard of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership? It's an excellent book, and, and John Maxwell is just an excellent Christian leader businessman. He holds these secular conferences, and then gets all these leaders of influence together and then ministers the gospel to them after. And it's optional. They don't have to stay. And we were just talking to one of his people. And it's like, you know, 40,000 people will come to hear him share the gospel. Incredible. And so there's this, this movement going on. And, and I love that. And, and we, even our Uber driver the other day was educating us on, on the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And he's like, I'm not even a Christian, but I love it. And it was so cool, and I thought, you know, we're, we're always looking at our leadership and our capacity and how to grow and all these things, but what about the 21, what if there were 21 cultures of our faith at V1 Church? What if there was a list of things that we could take and look at our life and kind of measure up and say, man, 
I don't, I'm lacking faith in that area. Or maybe I'm struggling with this and then how do I speak to that? So I just felt like the Lord put this in my heart. So I just want to read to this really quick. And I just came up with 21 irrefutable cultures of our church faith. We believe our weapons are not of the world, but spiritual and mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We believe in the things that we cannot see. We believe the best, even if we see the worst. We believe this is the greatest and most powerful generation we have ever seen. Yes, I'm talking about millennials. Yes, I'm talking about the generation that's coming in after them. We believe the greatest days of our ministry are ahead. I don't care how effective you have ever been in your life, in ministry, and in the things of God. Your best days, your best miracles, your best songs, your best sermons, they are ahead of you. They are ahead of you. We believe the power of the cross is still powerful. We believe that faith is bigger than fear. We believe faith is a decision speed. And once our faith aligns with his will, you better get out of our way. We believe that we can overcome demonic opposition. We believe sickness was bore on the cross and it can ravage our body, but it cannot ravage our soul. We believe in victory over every opposition that tries to plague your body, mind, and your soul. We believe in the promises of God that they are yes and amen. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues that it is Jesus unlimited in the earth. We believe in praying for people we haven't met yet, we haven't seen yet, and haven't even been born yet. We believe that if God can use a donkey, then he sure can use me. We believe in a God that we cannot see. We believe that God has good intentions about our future and a plan for our life. We believe that the latter days are greater than the ones that we've already seen. We believe the Bible and the words written are the living word and applicable to every circumstance, every wound, every generational curse, every decision. We believe it's real. We believe that Jesus died and that he rose again and that he ascended to heaven, that he sent the Holy Spirit and he is coming again. Finally, I want you to stand with me on this one because we're making a declaration today. Faith, even when you don't feel it. Faith, even when you don't feel it. This is the last one. We believe the report of the Lord that we're healed, that we're filled, that we're redeemed, that we're set free, that we're chosen, that we're pure, that we're set apart. We believe it. We believe his word is powerful. We as a church are gonna have faith even when we don't feel like it, especially when we don't feel like it. If you have faith, you win. Even if the circumstances around you look bleak, look tired, look meager, you win. Because faith is a soul journey. 
Sometimes you can't see it on the outside, but it's a soul destination. I had faith in a dead marriage. I prayed over my dad who was dead and just left room for a miracle. I said, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. And guess what? He died, but my soul lived. My soul survived. My soul was able to overcome the bleakness and sadness and just sheer, just oh, aching, heartache. I was able to look at two sonograms on two separate occasions of two dead babies. But you know what? The Bible says that they can't come to me, but I can go to them. And that I believe that even though my eyes saw death, my soul, it sees life. And so I just want to tell you that in your circumstance, you might be in the middle of a dead marriage. And in the circumstance, you see death. But I'm here to tell you that your soul sees life. And you got to speak to that thing. you got to say the opposite of what you see. You might look in the mirror and see someone dirty. But I have to believe that you got to speak in faith that I am clean, pure, set apart, chosen, able. And so faith... Faith is saying what God will do and then believing that he's actually going to do that thing. Sometimes those things happen at the same time. And sometimes your soul takes a minute to catch up. But today what we're going to do is we're going to speak some life to some things. Because faith is going to rise in this room. And so I want you to do this. If you, if you could all just close your eyes, we're going to... We're going to just give everybody a little privacy. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, and what I mean by that is if you have never said, Lord, I'm done living my own way. It's that simple, guys. I'm done living my own way. I'm ready to live for a, a different boss. My way has gotten my circumstance, but your way has life. And so if you need life this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, or maybe you did at one time, but you've just done your own thing, you've been your own boss, you did went your own way, I just want you, just with all privacy, please keep your eyes closed. I want you just to lift up your hand. So many hands. You can put them down. Lord, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that you are Lord. And God, this morning as they say, Jesus is Lord. That's as simple as that, guys. And they ask for forgiveness of their sins. Lord, I'm sorry for anything that I've done to offend your heart. I want to live for you now, God. You're my boss. That's it. He's the best father you'll ever have, the best husband you'll ever have, the best everything. And God, I just thank you for those hearts. I thank you for the soul saved this morning. And we want to help you take your next step. If you want to go get prayer, or talk to someone at the info table, we want to tell you about the next step. You're living a new life now. This is awesome. Now the second call is for those who have been lacking faith. 
For those who have said, man, I, I, I'm, I got airplane repentance in this area. You know, my, my relationship is just making me crazy or my job or my house or my family, whatever it is. And you just look at an area that seems so fragile and it brings so much fear and doubt and shame. If, if you have an area in your life that you've been lacking faith, I want you just to raise your hand. God, I thank you for these hands that are raised. Lord, God, I just pray that the faith would rise in the room, God. Lord, that just like our ancestors of faith, God, we may not ever see our dream come to its full fruition, but God, we will have faith that you are going to do what you set out to do, even if it happens in the next generation. But God, I believe in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That, and I just feel prophetically that there are dreams that you are going to see come to pass in this season. That you're going to see it in the land of the living. That you're going to see it with your own eyes. And God, I just pray for every hand lifted, God. I pray that their works would align with faith, God. And that would align with your will, Father. And God, that we would have our... Give, your, give our dreams to you, God, and put them under, under your influence, Father, and give them all to you, God, and let you do what only you can do. And God, we just pray for faith to rise in the room, God. We give our fear for your faith this morning. Our fear for your faith. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.